All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm talking to you today from the borough of Queens, as I usually do. That's in New York City. It is the 22nd day of November 2022, and I do want to start out today to tell you that there will be changes made to this show in the near future. And if you wish to keep informed about those changes, be sure to request to be put on our mailing list, the show's mailing list. And to do that, go to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com, questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com, and just simply give your name and email address, and we'll be sure to include you on our list to keep you up to date as to what is going on on this show and beyond. Before I talk more about today's show, I also want to remind you that I am the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. It's a weekly newsletter that is focused mostly on providing research and coverage of junior gold and silver exploration companies, a few producers as well, but mostly exploration companies. And while the mining shares have been uh, been very poor performers this year as a whole, they do seem to be coming around a bit now. But Many of the companies that I follow in my letter have had remarkable success this year towards establishing high-quality gold and silver deposits with the potential for very strong operating economics. And so, for example, today, one of the sponsors of this show and a company that I cover in my newsletter, Irving Resources, reported the intersection of multiple high-grade gold and silver veins at its historic mine site in Omu Project uh, that that is known as the Omu Project in Japan. And I will, I will be commenting more about this in my weekly letter this weekend. And uh, Dr. Quentin Henning is scheduled to discuss uh, the progress of Irving Resources um, on December 13th on this show when he comes on uh, to, um, to provide an update on Irving. Uh, meantime, uh, for more commentary on Irving and others, uh, you go to my newsletter. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter. Go to miningstocks.com uh, to do so. I also want to thank our sponsors for making the show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show, Irving Resources, Noble Resources, Gold Bull Resources, El Oro Resources, Reina Gold Mining, and Timberline Resources. Uh, again, uh, some more before I talk about today's show. I'd like to mention an article by Stephen Lieb that I think is very much worth reading. It is titled, Pace to New Global Monetary System Accelerates as War in Ukraine Heats Up, end of quote. I believe Dr. Lieb understands monetary and geopolitical dynamics far better than most, and I think actually he's on a level with Alistair McLeod, in my view. He understands that the United States 
pushing the war against Russia is extremely destructive to the interest of the United States and even more so to Europe and provides evidence that the U.S. is losing not only financially but also militarily. Well, that, of course, is contrary to American propaganda, but I think Dr. Lieb's views are very much worth the effort to read them. He believes that a new monetary regime is already starting to emerge and that the canary in the coal mine will be that the, that the canary in the coal mine that will signal a new monetary system signaling the end of the current dollar-centric unipolar world will be a rapidly rising gold price. To uh, access this very important article, I, I highly recommend you read it. Uh, to easily access it, you can go to jtaylormedia.com where an overview and a link to that article is prominently displayed on the homepage. Well, I've titled today's show, Bitcoin, Bonds, or Gold? Which is the best safe haven? John Rubino, Michael Oliver, and Michael Spreadborough return as guests today. The man known as the Big Short, Michael Burry, who became famous for, uh, for foreseeing the 2008 mortgage crisis, tweeted the following on November 15th, quote, I long thought that the time for gold would be when crypto scandals merge into contagion, end of quote. Burry was, of course, referring to the FTX debacle, and I am anticipating that John Rubino will help us understand how and why uh, the cryptocurrency markets are imploding at this time when he joins us in the second half of today's show. Well, history shows that elite members of society who are worshipped as gods can be counted on to lead nations down the path of destruction and almost always leads them to carry out immoral acts that end up biting them in the posterior end. That seems to be what is happening now to the founder of FTX, as he spent millions of dollars of other people's money to buy legislative influence from politically elected lawmakers. We can hope and pray that the same happens to all the existing greedy Americans who are, well, clandestinely actually, no, not, no fault of their own necessarily, but they're using, uh, they're using a, an immoral money, a money that allows uh, the holders and the people that own a lot of it to use use it to redistribute wealth into their own pockets and out of the pockets of the people that actually create the wealth. I like to say the miners, the manufacturers, the farmers, and the inventors, the people that actually do things. And it uh, seems to be siphoned off to the banking class as well as the uh, political class. And we can thank uh, President Nixon uh, for what he did in 1971 for the monetary system that we currently have and the one that I believe is leading us down the road of destruction. The infamous John Law, known for his orchestration of the Mississippi bubble debacle, comes to mind when I think about what's going on in the U.S., as Alistair McLeod has discussed various times on this show. But uh, clearly, the man who paved the broad road to destruction for the Western world at this time, the where we're going now, is John Maynard Keynes, who convinced intellectuals that gold is a useless barbaric relic. And so, for the first time in history, after Nixon removed gold from the dollar in 1971, gold was abandoned in the entire world as money in favor of money that government forces you to use at the point of a gun. And gold, which free markets always chose as money, was outlawed because it was and is honest money that governments cannot compete against because governments, uh, they legislate money that is used not to strengthen the democratic representative government, but uh, towards more, uh, not at all towards more representative government and uh, equitable income distribution, but really to enrich their own private interests. And we've seen this happening increasingly in the United States 
uh, over the last couple of decades. So now that both the dollar and cryptocurrencies are on the, seem to be on the road to ruin, a very wise independent thinker, as I just noted, Michael Burry, is suggesting it is time to trade cryptocurrencies and dollars in for gold, which, unlike the dollar and every other fiat currency in history, has retained its purchasing power for thousands of years. So in the second half of today's show, John Rubino will provide an autopsy of the crypto environment, and I can't wait to hear what John has to say about that. Help us better understand what has really uh, gone wrong there in the cryptocurrency markets. Uh, in just a few minutes from now, our first commercial, after our first commercial break, Michael Spreadborough will update us on the uh, exciting exploration programs that are being undertaken by Novo Resources. But right now, I'm happy to tell you that Michael Oliver is back with me to share some of his latest thoughts about the future of cryptocurrencies, gold, and U.S. treasuries. At least that's what I hope you'll talk about. Michael, thanks for joining us again. Good to be back, Jay. It's always good to have you, and it's always important to tell people it's OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com, where people should go to avail themselves to Michael's wonderful work. Uh, Michael, you've, you've been rather agnostic when it comes to Bitcoin, and as a libertarian, you like the idea of being able to have the freedom to avoid having governments rob you of your wealth, and Bitcoin has, you know, has had some appeal with regard to that. But whatever your uh, personal preferences are, I believe you do track Bitcoin technically. What are your thoughts now from that vantage point? Well, uh, of all the markets we track, it's probably the one we've nailed the best uh, ever mm -hmm. since we started trading on the futures market late 2017. Uh -huh. uh, when it, it hit $70,000 uh, near there uh, in 2021, when it dropped down to 55000 we turned major long-term bearish because okay, we broke momentum trend structures that were not short-term things, but pretty long-term. Um, you were talking about the gold relationship to, you know, is it better than treasuries, better than in Bitcoin, right. and so forth. In December 18th last year, so 11 months ago, we put out a report showing the spread relationship between Bitcoin and gold, meaning, ah. you know, it showed what it showed was a positive trend for Bitcoin to that point. Uh, at, in fact, to the point of one week prior to that report. At the week of that report, the momentum action of Bitcoin versus gold on a spread, you mean measuring one against the other, uh, broke down. In fact, mm -hmm. it broke a three-year uptrend on the momentum chart of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it told us, sell Bitcoin, buy gold. You know, if you mm -hmm. put on a spread, in other words, if you want to mm -hmm. take action, that there's time now to buy gold versus owning Bitcoin or sell Bitcoin and buy gold at the same time, put on a spread, in other words, equal amount mm -hmm. of assets. Bitcoin's dropped since that point in time. It was 46250 Okay, we've mm -hmm. been trading down to 15000 Okay, now, so it's wiped off the page. Gold was 1802 on that day. The high last mm -hmm. week was 1792 Right now, we're trading about 1740 So gold's about 3% or so below where it was 11 months ago. It was down a bit. Bitcoin's collapsed off the page. Uh, yeah. You could do the same thing with T-bonds. T-bonds have broken uh, massive trend structures that trace back more than a decade. And therefore, in our view, now I'll admit the possibility that Bitcoin could have, have an advance at some point down here. Because, I mean, it's been uh -huh. wiped off the page. I don't think it's going to go to zero. Some of them mm -hmm. might. Um, and they do have a virtue, at least I'm not talking about these uh, – 
companies that you know the scandals situation right but sure the, the mm-hmm. unit itself uh is not infinitely expandable so it's not like a fiat currency where they can just print it and print it you know it, it mm-hmm. has a limitation in growth so it has that virtue uh it's not backed by anything but it does have that virtue in that it's has a limited theoretically limited supply uh-huh. so that's one of the virtues it has but i will agree with uh, what michael Burry said uh, that um uh, you know, it, it's time to do it. Well, I, we thought that 11 months ago <laughs> it was time to make the switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure enough, 11 months later, we have a situation where you're down 3% on gold from that point, and you, you, Bitcoin was 46000 now 15000 So mm-hmm. you do the math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that well, does help. It does help gold in mm-hmm. the sense that, well, you know, it wasn't – those other things weren't an alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think a lot of crypto buyers did think that they thought it was oh that's my, my granddad thought gold was good you know, he's an yeah. <laughs> we're going for crypto you know yeah. uh, and they were wrong um, mm-hmm. and I think gold will stand up and you just noted in your introductory comments about the miners they are really behaving well mm-hmm. uh, and I think that the gold miners and silver miners and the silver miners are beating the gold miners right now just like silver mm-hmm. is beating gold mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a sign that Scared investors who dominated those markets over the last year and a half are not scared anymore. If somebody's mm-hmm. coming in saying, okay, it's now time. These miners mm-hmm. aren't going to zero. It's time to get in. Mm-hmm. And they demonstrated it, and technically they look pretty good. The mm-hmm. miners are up 3 4% today while gold's unchanged. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's yeah. – Michael, I would I would just comment I would just comment a little bit on your on your pick uh, with Bitcoin and gold. Um, you know, you say eleven months ago you were seeing it was time to sell Bitcoin and buy gold based mm-hmm. on your tech, mm-hmm. and and this is fairly typical. You're usually early in in picking up the the new trend, and uh, and you were right about that as you just pointed out. And Michael uh, Burry was really looking, I think, at you know he said when the cryptos fail, so he's seeing what's actually. It was sort of in the cards, or what you were seeing in the tech, in the technicals. Yeah. Uh, you know, without knowing what it was, you were getting the signal a long time ago, and your momentum work generally beats the, uh, you know, usually leads the the price charts. So that's that's another point. Before we uh, before we run out of time here, I want to ask you then about the dollar because, as you pointed out on this show in the past, one of the problems uh, with this with Powell increasing rates more than anybody else, the dollar has gotten stronger versus the, uh, you know, in the index, mm-hmm. it's gotten a lot stronger and that is causing all kinds of consternation overseas. Mm-hmm. Other countries that borrow lots and lots of dollars are really having a, a lot of pain in scraping up their currencies to buy the dollars to pay them back. And so what do you think is going on with the dollar? Have we seen the peak in the dollar? And might yeah, that so. also have something yeah. to do with gold as well as Bitcoin or the cryptos and gold? We signaled a sell signal based on long-term momentum when the dollar index cash dropped from uh, dropped down under 111 area in the high 110s. Okay, it, after that, within a few actually several days, it dropped down to mid 105s. Mm-hmm. It's since bounced back to the 107s. Right now, it's 107.20. Uh, we think there's some trading support down around 103 and a half area. I don't mm-hmm. think it'll hold ultimately, but that's the next bounce point. But we haven't even gotten on the dollar index; hasn't even gotten down to next bounce point. But uh-huh. I do think the trend that we've seen over the last, especially since early this year, which affected gold, because the mm-hmm. correlation between dollar index movements and gold is loose. Lately, it's been tight, 
inversely tight, meaning the dollar goes up, gold goes down. But historically, that if you go back and look, there are periods of time where you have multi-years of gold upside and you look at the dollar and uh, be darned, it, it actually went up some too. You know? mm-hmm. So it isn't, isn't a good, perfect inverse relationship, although lately it has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the dollar, as far as we're concerned, is broken. Uh, there is a bounce point, but we're not even near it right now. Uh, we think we saw the top up there around 115, and right now we're trading 107.19 as I speak. So uh, we think the top is in, and the question only now is it, what manner does it decline? And mm-hmm. I think the central banks uh, probably took action over the last week or two. Uh, I know that the Japanese and the Europeans needed, and the Brits needed to have the dollar stop its upside relative to their money units. Mm-hmm. And they probably intervened. I know some of them did. The question is whether we did or not, and I don't know that. Mm-hmm. It would have been the Treasury yeah. Department had they done it. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they were part of the part and parcel of the intervention, because it was a dangerous tool. It was causing pop problems. Uh, oh, big problems. In the bond markets. Yeah, the bond market big. has now become illiquid. That's incredible. You know, yeah, yeah, one of the, the largest, biggest, most important markets in the world. And I do distinctly remember, Michael. I don't remember which day it was. I looked at all of the, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the charts of the currencies in the index, and it was about nine o'clock Eastern time, I think, when each one of them took the same directional turn. Yeah. So it does. You could see that there was something yeah. going on. It wasn't just mother yeah. nature. It was uh, well, some concern. Well, government instruments, so it's not not surprising. Well, government not surprising. Around. No, no. Not surprising, <laughs> and not surprising. They want to get rid of gold too, if they can. If they could, they would ship it to the moon. I think they'd ship all the gold on the earth to the moon if they could, and get the heck out of here, so they could keep playing their games with fiat money. Anyway, we'll have to leave it go at that. Um, thank you so much, Michael. Uh, for your time, again, sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Always greatly appreciated. Well, folks, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Michael Spreadbarrow will be with us. He's the executive co-chairman of Novo Resources. He'll be back uh, to tell us about some of the exciting things that Novo is doing exploration-wise uh, and their efforts to get Beaton's Creek Mine back into production. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Mike Spreadbarrow. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Timberline Resources is a mineral exploration and resource development company focused on gold discovery in the world-class mining jurisdiction of Nevada. The company's flagship Eureka Project hosts a significant gold resource and drill-indicated upside potential at nearby higher-grade targets. Timberline Resources trades in Canada under the symbol TBR and on the OTCQB in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. To learn more about this district-scale asset with exciting discovery potential, please visit www.timberlineresources.co. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have Michael Spreadborough with us again. Uh, Michael is the executive co-chairman of Nova Resources, and he has a mining engineering background, over 20 years of experience in mining lead, zinc, uranium, copper, gold, and iron ore, and he has had uh, roles across the scope of the industry from business and project development to operations and exploration, and he has held positions with some really big-name companies uh, like BHP Billiton, and um, he's also Rio Tinto and some major projects, uh, one of them for sure the uh, world-class Olympic Dam mine in southern Australia. So he's really had quite a an impressive background, and I think um, Novo Resources is really fortunate to have him uh, as our co-chairman. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure, Jack. You know, um, Novo, is, it's, you've discontinued your mining at Beaton's Creek project for, for the time being, but it's my understanding that you do expect to restart it sometime in the, in the near future. Could you give us an update on Beaton's Creek? Yeah, it's a good place to start. So um, per our announcements, we uh, curtailed or suspended mining in Beaton's Creek in September. We've now completed all the processing of the material that had been previously mined and we've gone into care and maintenance. So that's the operational side. We've reduced the manning. Uh, we're really, really focused on reducing the cost base whilst we are in suspension. So in parallel to that, uh, many of your people would be aware we've put out a resource update to Burton's Creek. We were impressed with the grade of that update, but we were a bit surprised that the number total tonnes was a bit lower than we expected. And if people recall that mineral resource had a cut-off date at the end of May. We've only just finished, uh, literally two days ago, the last drill hole in the resource program that we wanted to do. So we'll update the resource again early next year and we'll use that information to update the feasibility study. So in parallel to that, there's really two things we've got to do for Birds Creek. The one is we've got to continue to work with government on the approvals and to really understand the conditions for mining Beats Creek. At the moment, the environmental conditions are very, very cost, uh, you know, they really cost penalty to the project. We have to put all the waste that we mine back in. So whilst we might say a project has an 8 to 1 strip ratio, in reality, Beats Creek is 16 to 1 because you take the material out. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's environmental reasons for that. So, so we understand that very well now. So we've got a team in the new year that are going to look at how we can optimise Beans Creek. Because it does have a good grade. The mineral resource had a grade over two grams per tonne. So the whole focus now is optimising that. So we will do that optimisation work in the first part of next year in parallel to the approvals. And I think really importantly, in parallel to the work that the exploration team are continuing to do looking for other resources that we can feed into the Golden Eagle processing plant. So the way I would say to people is we haven't forgotten about uh, Beats Creek, we haven't forgotten about Nullagai and Gold Project, but we're really out there at the moment focusing on how we can unlock value so we can return it back into production in a manner that actually makes money and value to shareholders. Absolutely. Well, uh, I know that you've had a stated goal, a corporate goal, of becoming a 250,000 ounce per year gold producer, and I think uh, with a target of 2 million ounce resource perhaps, and keeping those resources in play as you produce. Uh, can you explain how uh, Novo might get there? I know you've got 
the Nalagan area. That's an area where you've been working, but you've got a lot of other exciting uh, exploration targets, which I'm really uh, eager to hear more about. Uh, but how, uh, st- strategically, how do you expect to, and how do you plan to get to that, that threshold of 250,000 ounces a year of production? We still believe that moving at some stage into production is better value for shareholders in the long run. Unfortunately, given the story of Beaton's Creek, you know, that's really put the timeline back a little bit because Beaton's Creek had a guaranteed, you know, 100,000 ounce type production rate, which would have been very good for that journey. So really, the focus, apart from what we just talked about, optimising Beaton's Creek and really looking at the economics of that going forwards, the focus has to be on organic uh, expiration. And so since June, you know, last year, we've really turned that expiration focus a little bit away from the conglomerates, focusing on, you know, what we call orogenic gold, basic Mm -hmm. gold, gold that most people would be familiar in open pits around the world. So that story is really growing. Um, we've got multiple targets across our 10,000 square kilometres. Um, some of those areas, like East Kilbra, uh, since Novo had the tenements, the team has not had a lot of time to spend. So we've just had the team spend three months in Marble Bar looking at those tenements, and they will have some drill targets you know, early next year, um, March, April. But the most exciting place for us is in the middle of our tenements at the edge of the district. Mm-hmm. We've been drilling there since uh, June, uh, air core drilling, which is drilling where you're looking for near-surface soil anomalies. Uh, that's at our primary project called Besha. Uh, we put out early results already, which are really, really exciting. That program will continue to the rest of this year and into next year, so people should uh, look out for results as we update every month on that program. But we're so excited that we've actually relocated uh, an RC rig. So that's a rig that can drill deeper holes, and that work is going to start this week, next week, focusing on some of the areas that have already got good grades from the soils that we've got from the air core. So that probably shows how excited we are that we're getting in there and looking for drilling deeper holes to get good results, which we'll see later this year or early next year. Yeah. So prime target. It's really exciting. Uh, no, go ahead. And, and I was going to say, um, you know, if uh, your listeners have got time, uh, have a look at ASX listed DeGray uh, on the website. DeGray is just north of us. You know, they have a 10-million-ounce uh, gold deposit or deposits. Um, same type of geology. We're on the same shear zones. So really, you know, we could all hope we'll come up with 10 million ounces as well. But it just shows why we think our Besha is very perspective and we're seeing the same indicators. So early days in that journey, but the fact that we're accelerating to have two drill rigs on Besha um, starting this week really shows our excitement of what the early stage work is doing. Yeah, so that's the Hemi deposit that uh, DeGray has, I believe, right? Correct. And yeah. uh, and and so your air core drilling is really more of an exploration, early exploration uh, uh, technology that you use to identify where the, um, you know, the zones that you should be drilling more seriously, I guess, right? Yeah, correct. It's a way for us to do uh, blanket coverage across a wide area. And to put that in perspective, um, for Besha, we're drilling um, an area that's over eight kilometres long, two kilometres wide, and we're doing parallel lines that are 600 metres apart. And even with that, 
To date, we've drilled over 20,000 metres of drill holes. They're only short. They go down to 20 metres. So you can ah, imagine the yeah. drill holes that we've drilled across that area. Um, and now, you know, with RC drilling, further air core will close in to an area. And per our previous releases, you know, we're focusing on a particular area that's probably about two kilometres by two kilometres. So it's a very big area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hide a lot of gold in there. So exciting times, early stage, but uh, good prospects going forward at this stage. Right. And you're, it's so just to be clear, you're drilling the same, I mean, you're exploring the same belt of rocks that hosts the uh, that Hemi deposit. Is that right? I think the best way to describe it would be the same geological environment, um, similar shear zones, similar geology. Um, it's an area that has been very limited exploration in the past. I think only six or seven holes have been drilled in that area in the past. Um, we're very excited by the work that our geos have done. So everyone should sit back and look out for results between now and Christmas and early next year on Besha. All right. And then uh, we'd like to ask you about your conglomerate projects at Caratha. You, know, you remember names like Purdy's North and uh, Comet Well. Uh, what are your plans there? Are you doing anything there? So in June, we announced um, that we're just going to put Comet Well on the back burner. Part of that was driven by this focus on exploration and, and geos being involved in Besha. But the other side was we're still doing work to understand the economics of the amount of gold in the ground versus uh, the development pathway, I suppose. So we plan to get back into uh, doing work on that area early next year, uh, which is what we said in June. Um, our challenge is always with this uh, nuggety uh, conglomerate gold that we see at Purdy's is how do you evaluate the amount of gold in the ground? And obviously that's important before we go mining because we do want to make money. <laughs> so we haven't forgotten about it. Um, we're definitely, uh, we know that the all sorting technology, mechanical sorting technology works very well. So it's not a processing issue and it's not really a mining issue. Mining's quite simple. It's really just getting a good feel of the gold inventory in the ground before we make any commitments. So probably quarter two next year, people will hear more about Common Well and our thoughts of pushing ahead with that. We still own a mechanical sorter. You know, it's a Nullingine gold project. We still see mechanical sorting as a great technique for many of our gold projects as they come on board across the Pilbara. Yeah, because if you can, uh, if you can concentrate, uh, you know, develop a concentrate and then ship it down to the Nulligan Mill, I mean, that, that would make a lot of sense. And it seemed like a very promising development, so we'll certainly be watching out for that 2023. Um, I want to ask you, you've had some, some news about battery metal prospects, I guess space metals that might go into making batteries. Uh, can you talk in general what your plans are for those targets? And how active are you in exploring them now? At the moment, we remain very active in the West Pilbara area. So that's up near Karatha. Uh, people might remember we've got this block of tenements, which we call Purdy's North. Purdy's North is wedged between uh, two ASX listed companies. To the south of us is Artemis, who've uh, got a copper gold project. They've put out a resource of about 800,000 um, ounces. And then north of our tenements is Azura, which have already released nickel resource uh, numbers. So we have a block of tenements in between those. 
We've been drilling in that area since September, once we had got Aboriginal heritage approvals. People will probably see more results come out on some of it. We've put out some results already. We'll probably see more results in the coming weeks. We've got a lot more drilling to do between now and kind of mid-December where we stop because of cyclone season. Ultimately, once we've drilled holes, we'll do uh, what they call downhole geophysics. We put a probe down the hole and we use geophysics to help us target future drilling. So in the off-season, when we're not drilling because of cyclones, we'll do a lot of work to really think about the results that we've seen ready for a start-up of a project in March. You know, we're quite open about our long-term position on this block of land. We want to be able to delineate a resource if possible and look at an air, a way that we can then um, divest or join that with other companies. We don't see ourselves as a battery metal producer, but if there's a commodity that we think we can make value for our shareholders on our tenements, we will take them to a certain position before we can, you know, monetize it. So we're excited by that. We've got two good projects on either side of us, um, very complex geology, but we think it's very exciting. All right, and I, I believe your cash balance is pretty strong yet. It, it's certainly um, burning through some cash with all this exploration, but where do you stand now, more or less? So we're around um, $60 million Canadian, uh, where we sit at the moment. We are obviously debt-free, which is really good. We do have, like everyone else, we have tax people in Australia, and we have some tax bills that we have to pay between now and Christmas. Um, that'll keep Santa Claus happy, but um, we'll be in a good cash position going into the new year, which will definitely support the exploration program that we want to do going forward. So, you know, we have been, I think, through an interesting journey, unfortunately, with Beaton's Creek having to be suspended. But the company is in very good position, cash, exploration's going great guns, lots of targets. Uh, we've now been able to do a lot of um, heritage clearance with our traditional owner people, the Aboriginal groups, so we've got a good drilling program in the new year. So I think we're in a very good position going forwards, and the gold price continually remains uh, strong, so good place to be. Yeah, for sure, and if you get some exciting uh, results up there at Betcher, um, who knows, the share price could start to take off again, and it, it would make life a lot easier for a lot of people. Uh, just uh, okay then. In closing, then I guess uh, over the next six months or so, maybe summarize by telling our listeners what they should keep their eyes on. Investors are going to want want some good news. What, where should what they should, where should they be looking for it? Yeah. So the key for people to uh, look forward to um, first up, we haven't talked a bit about Victoria, but you would have seen last week we did a good res uh, announcement on Victoria. Uh -huh. That's looking exciting. So when we go into the new year you'll see some more results of the geophysics there and also that leading into a drilling program. With the Pilbara, uh, with three drill rigs operating at the moment, everyone will see new results come out uh, quite frequently as they come through, so we're all anxiously waiting for those. We see about a three- to four-week turnaround for gold assay. Um, nickel copper tends to be around three months, so... We do have that lag, and as I said, we will shut down drilling about mid-December and start up again uh, late March. But in the meantime, people should see uh, good results coming forwards. But definitely also look out uh, between now and end of March. We'll be holding a couple webinars that allow people to uh, dial in and listen to our exploration team. So I think we're in a good position. Lots of good news, hopefully, flowing 
through with our inspiration growing. Excellent. All right. Well, we certainly have some things to look forward to as we start a new year. I want to thank you, Michael, for updating our listeners. Um, we'll want to keep track of what you're doing going forward into the future. Thank you so much for your time today and, uh, and, and helping us understand the Novo story. Always a pleasure. All righty, folks, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away because when we come back, John Rubino will be with me to talk about Bitcoin, bonds, or gold. Which is the best safe haven? We'll be right back with John Rubino. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Training Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have John Rubino, a long-term friend of mine and a frequent guest on this show. It's always good to have John with us today. Thanks, John, so much for joining us. Hey, Jay, good to be back. Oh, I, I should start by apologizing in advance here, though. I've got a couple of dogs with me. Oh. <laughs> so any minute now, you, you can hear some noise, and that's that's what it is. Well, that's try uh, to shut them up. Yeah. Well, just as long as they uh, bark the right bark at the right time. <laughs> exactly. So let's let's see if they signal anything. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll try not to agitate them. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, John, I understand that you know you're. you're uh, I believe you've you've sold uh, Dollar Collapse, and you're going to be doing some new things, perhaps. Uh, yeah, Dollar Collapse is in in good hands. The the new owners are doing good work with it, and uh, I'm going to set up a Substack feed, which is basically uh, a uh, kind of a a, a personal newsletter. It's mm -hmm. a platform that uh, lets you basically just publish your stuff and then they handle all the back-end stuff like subscriptions and everything. So, oh. uh, of course, you'll be on the mailing list when, oh. when I start publishing stuff, Jay, and then you and I can talk about it and uh, oh, um, I, maybe use that for thing for material for our interviews. And things absolutely. Like I look forward to that, John. Always, always good to hear your thoughts and that's why we're so happy that you're here again today. Today, we've titled today's show Bitcoin, Bonds, or Gold, Which is the Best Safe Haven? Now, I want to start i want to spend most of the time on on bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general because that's you know that's all the talk of the day so maybe i'd like to start out by asking you uh, it seems as though you know fewer and fewer people are interested in gold or have been interested in gold and uh, especially younger people have thought of bitcoin as an alternative maybe 
maybe one of those kind of um, assets that you can own that helps to reduce the risk in your portfolio like gold does. Gold is uh, has a low or negative correlation to the equity markets and so forth. Uh, but anyway, what what is it about, um, you know, a lot of libertarians, especially younger ones that really loved, seem to have a, a, been enamored by, by, uh, by Bitcoin and by cryptos well, in general? Well, the idea of cryptos um, in general is pretty awesome from a libertarian standpoint. It's private sector money based on technology that operates outside the framework of these corrupt central banks and uh, spendthrift governments and, and their captive regulators. Um, so it, uh, it holds out the promise of society just shifting to a new sound version of money and just bypassing all the corrupt monetary authorities around the world. I love the idea of that too. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's turning out to be kind of hard to implement though. Mm -hmm. um, in part because uh, besides Bitcoin, there are now like 10,000 other crypto tokens that have been created and, and uh, with, you know, with varying degrees of quality and features and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, at the same time, a lot of cryptos are being kept on private exchanges, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which are kind of like fractional reserve banks, yeah. but with no regulation, you know, so they basically can do anything they want to. And, and what happened this week was that FTX, a, a very big, very high profile exchange turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. It was run by a bunch of kids in, uh, in a mansion in uh, the Bahamas who were basically self-dealing and, and uh, buying property for themselves in their own names with customer money, among many other things. Uh, and that's thrown the crypto market into turmoil because uh, FTX had bought stakes in a lot of other crypto enterprises. And uh, so there's all this, uh, this cross ownership out there that has to be worked out um, within the framework of FTX's uh, bankruptcy proceedings. So nobody knows who else is going to blow up as this process uh, goes on. And so a lot of cryptos are down hugely. Uh, I think Bitcoin is, uh, what is it, 17,000 right now? You know, it's, it's, it's 16, down from... 16 something, I think, John. I was just okay. looking at it here. Uh, crypto is currently at 16,149 at the moment. Oh, okay. And that, that is a huge drop from... And that's up 2% today. High. That's up yeah. 2% today. So, yeah. 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 So we'll have to see how this all plays out because it's it's thrown a wrench in the uh, the the idea that cryptocurrencies would just become the new monetary system mm -hmm. um, voluntarily with everybody just moving into cryptos. Uh, and now uh, a lot of the Bitcoin maximalists out there, people who believe that Bitcoin is basically the cryptocurrency and all the rest of this stuff is is what they call shit coins. Yeah. In other words, stuff that's going to, they're, they're like dot-coms in 1999, you know, who are all going to go out of business and just leave a few of the uh, the big legitimate business models standing. Mm -hmm. And and so they say it's going to be Bitcoin. Uh, but the, um, the use case for Bitcoin now is kind of murky because if you can't keep it on exchanges, that makes it hard to transact. And so all of this has to work itself out. I have no idea how it ends, but... Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that assuming that cryptos end up as part of the future monetary system, we'll, we'll look back on this as growing pains. Mm 
you know, a new technology comes along, it has to kind of find its place in the world and, and uh, nobody knows what's going to happen exactly or what that place should be. Therefore, lots of crazy things happen. That, that's the stage we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't even presume to make a prediction about uh, where cryptos are a year from now or five years from now. This just has to work itself out. Yeah. Um, but a- as for the idea that cryptos are a big competitor with precious metals... That's that's certainly true. A lot of money that uh, might have gone into gold and silver has gone into cryptos over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think that uh, the cryptos are a, a great entry point for future gold bugs because to to understand the point of cryptos, you have to understand fiat currencies and why they fundamentally don't work and why they're going to go away and be replaced by something else. Uh, and that's basically the same story for gold and silver, you know, they're they're among the things that are liable to eventually replace today's crappy, badly managed fiat currencies. So Bitcoin and other crypto people are learning the gold bug story along the way. And I think it's going to create one big um, one big market made up of people who understand the flaws of fiat currency. Uh, so you combine uh, crypto people and precious metals people and you've got a pretty good-sized voting block out there. In mm-hmm. other words, people who are willing to vote with their money for a future that uh, that features sound money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think in the end, we'll end up being allies. All right. And well, let's I see. think we'll... Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, let's see how, how it works out for sure. Uh, Lynn Alden, who's uh, she's scheduled to be on this show in a couple of weeks again, um, she's been a pretty big proponent of cryptos, but especially Bitcoin. And she highlights the need to have a lack of central control. In other words, uh, you know, a lot of these cryptocurrencies, I understand it, have somebody that's sort of in charge of them. That's not true for Bitcoin, she says. And that, however, she wouldn't want to own Bitcoin on, uh, you know, like through GBTC or, or something like that. She'd like to just own it in her own wallet so that nobody knows anything about her own crypto, only her and you know whoever she trades with would know that she's got some going or coming. Uh, so she seems to think very strongly still in favor of Bitcoin, uh, which leads me then to a, a news item that I saw this morning. I mentioned to you briefly before we went on the air. Grayscale, which is the trustee for GBTC, GBTC allegedly, supposedly holds and owns Bitcoin on behalf of, uh, of, of investors. In fact, I had bought some GBTC and sold it and made a little money with it. Uh, but now, I'm, according to this article, Grayscale, which is, you know, heads up GBTC, is refusing to allow the public to know the results of an audit on the inventory of Bitcoin in GBTC. So I'm wondering what in the world is going on there. If GBTC was not actually owning all of the Bitcoins in other words, you buy GBTC thinking you're going to get Bitcoin that way indirectly, as you do any ETF when you buy you know, shares of an ETF, you're buying shares of, of various companies or whatever. And so I'm wondering if, um, have you have any thoughts about that? What might be going on and why Grayscale might not want to reveal the audit? Maybe there's that some was, legal reasons in the middle of all this. I don't know. That was very scary when they came out and said that because uh, you you know, you want, if you're buying an ETF that holds something, 
you want them to be continuously proving that they own the stuff that they claim they own. Otherwise, you have you're you're just an unsecured creditor. You have no um, legal right mm-hmm. to anything that they own. It can all just disappear. Um, at, though today, one of the other big exchanges, I want to say Binance, but it, it could be Coinbase. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Came out and said that uh, they're holding for grayscale. Um, a sufficient amount of Bitcoin to oh, okay. back that that um, closed end fund. So, so that's the next part of the story, and and the the fund is up today. Oh, so I hope that's I, true. Uh, yeah, me too. I have some of that too, yeah. um, a small bit. But uh, yeah, um, and you know the thing about closed end funds is that uh, they they fluctuate around their net asset values. So in scary times, they can um, trade at a big discount to the assets that they supposedly mm-hmm. have. So if they mm-hmm. absolutely do have the Bitcoins mm-hmm. um, that they say they do, it, the, the Grayscale Fund is pretty cheap right now because it's something yeah. like a 30 or 40% discount to yes. NAD. Yes, I've noticed yeah. that. I wondered about that, John. And and so maybe there's an opportunity if it's real, but how do you know for sure? Well, in, in, yeah. in crisis markets, that's the tricky thing. You want to buy when there's blood in the street. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to do that too soon. You don't want to catch a falling knife. <laughs> so those are the two metaphors that you need to deal with. There. Um, and uh, it's only clear in retrospect what was the perfect moment to do whatever. And John, right now, it's not that clear. John, I, you know, it comes to mind now, a lot of people have been concerned about some of the ETFs that allegedly hold gold and silver. You know, and they would have, I don't remember which ones, but there were at least one of them. I believe uh, would be able to lend out the gold that it allegedly holds, um, you know, and, and sort of play a banking game, a little bit like what's going on here in these crypto markets, um, you know, like like um, uh, fractional reserve banking almost, right? You can lend it out a bunch of times and claim you still own it. I mean, that kind of immorality, really. Yeah, well, GLD and SLV are the yeah. two you want to avoid, apparently, because they. Uh, they aren't run in such a way that it, there's a guarantee that there's enough gold and silver there right. <clears throat> to back up their shares. Mm-hmm. Um, um, PSLV, which is owned by Sprott, Sprott yeah. is supposed to be um, run in a, uh, a much more careful way. Mm-hmm. And, and more people in this space trust them than trust mm-hmm. those other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, they also, Sprott also has a gold fund and... Uh, they have a CEF, which is a gold and silver fund as well. I mean, it's a, a an ETF, I should say. Um, all right. Uh, well, you know, I just really wonder um, what might come of all this chaos. I mean, it, governments like to get more active and they like to, uh, you know, enact more laws and more legislation, more control over our personal finances. Of course, that's why uh, it was appealing to, as you said, a lot of the libertarian, younger libertarians that like the idea of, Bitcoin, because it would seem to allow them to, uh, you know, to, to buy and sell things without people keeping an eye on it. Um, but, you know, here we go again. I mean, it seems to me like what this guy, Sam Bankman Freed, was doing was pretty much what what banks do or pretty much what governments do, too. Um, you know, yeah, Jay, that, that's the funny thing about uh, the, this um, the, this exchange that just blew up. They were behaving like a, a regular bank. <laughs> they were just doing the thing ba- things banks do, and that kind of illustrates the danger that we're in in, in today's financial system. Because you've got a lot of banks out there who um, who are behaving 
in, in some ways just as badly as these crypto exchanges. And uh, the, the last thing about cryptos is that uh, my, my big fear for the, the crypto market is that it's basically uh, being used as a proof of concept by governments that want to set up their own versions of cryptocurrencies, you know, the uh, central bank digital currencies that will will accomplish the opposite of what cryptocurrencies are supposed to accomplish. It This will, will uh, basically make our financial lives transparent to governments yes give them an amazing amount of control over us compared to what mm -hmm. they have now so they're a really bad thing and if that's how cryptos end up being just basically the gateway drug for uh, for central bank digital currencies then then it'll be a huge failure i hope that's not how it plays out but i think governments of the world may have that in mind as a goal well as as cryptos it, go it certainly seems that the World Economic Forum, in which most of the Western governments seem to be bowing to, uh, ha have been talking about using a, a cryptocurrency, a, a, a digital currency, uh, and uh, you know, each of us having a wallet, and they could uh, find out how you know what our carbon footprint is, and take away some of our wealth if we if we expend uh, too much carbon. I mean, this is a scary thought. But even today, I see uh, uh, from on. Um, on a tweet from somebody that Bill Gates is teaming up with the uh, with the leader of New Zealand, Jacinda Jacinda Arden, uh, to surreptitiously roll out a vaccine passport uh, attached to digital currency. So they're really working on this thing in New Zealand, according to I don't if it's true. It's it's a it's a frightening thought because if they can uh, keep us off the buses, keep us locked in our homes, do what China's doing. With their population now, it seems to be, and why in the world, the Western world is is now thinking, even thinking in those terms. It, it I, I just, uh, I don't get it. Yeah, the the G twenty actually just embraced the concept of vaccine passports for international travel. Right. So, the whole world is going in this direction. Pretty much every government has its own plans, but we all are kind of moving in the direction of China, like you said, where. Uh, um, if you speak out against government policy or you do basically anything that uh, get, that leads you to be labeled as a bad citizen by the government, then they can reach into your account and do anything they want to with your money. They can ban you from travel. They can prevent you from buying things they don't want you to buy. And that's all already out there in China. Yeah. And we're moving that way here. You know, this is going to be a, a, the next decade is going to be a borderline civil war. Um, between people who don't want this to happen and the people who are hell-bent on uh, imposing it on us. So, fascinating time. And, I, you know, I'm kind of too old for a civil war. <laughs> Wish well, it would have happened. And, I, and I'm older than you, John. <laughs> I, and I, yeah, I'm older than you, John. We've only got a couple of minutes left here, and I want to just touch on the central bank, the Fed. Um, you know, some people are starting to believe that with the dollar having gotten so strong with the higher interest rates, that actually the Fed may be already starting sort of a silent pivot. And Michael Oliver talked about how there seems to be some intervention to bring the dollar down, which has been, I think, bullish for gold, in addition to what's going on in the crypto space, perhaps. Uh, but do you see, um, what are your thoughts on, on the dollar and gold now? Well, I think we're heading into a recession quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Housing has tanked in the U.S. Um, car prices are starting to fall. Um, a lot of industrial commodities are way down from their, their previous highs. Look at lumber, you know. Um, and, oh, and, and big tech is laying people off um, in, in the thousands. So I, th I think the economy is already slowing down. 
And I think the Fed sees that, but they don't feel able to pivot in any meaningful way because they're still so terrified of inflation. But mm -hmm. I think uh, by mid-2023, uh, the economy will take away any um, any doubts in the minds of um, the central banks of the world, and they'll go back to easing by then. They'll so, go to easing even if we have high high inflation, John. They'll, they'll have to because the alternative yeah. will be a collapse into some right. kind of 1930s-style deflationary depression, and they, they don't want that at all costs. Right. They will right. accept anything other than Anything that. but a depression, yeah. yeah. They lose control that way, and they, yeah. want, to, they want control, which is why – uh, they're probably looking at, uh, you know, at, at cryptocurrencies or at digital currencies. Uh, we're just about out of time, though. So, but bottom line, uh, I guess longer term, the question is, you know, what's the best, what's the best uh, safe haven? U.S. Well, Treasuries, John, if rates come down, U.S. Treasuries would be great. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Um, Treasury paper will probably do pretty well in what's coming. Um, but uh, I think silver looks great. Because for, for two things, one is there's a, there's a big drain on the exchanges now where silver is being taken off the exchanges, um, which means there might be a shortage at some point. And then the Silver Institute just came out and said there would be a big silver deficit this year. In other words, the mines of the world will not produce enough silver to completely cover the demand for silver. So mm -hmm. you've got a couple of things pointing in the direction of silver. And it's a tiny, tiny market that can just oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. spike if a little oh, yeah. bit of money flows in. So oh, yeah. uh, I like I like silver yeah. as a, as a, a an aggressive speculation right now because it's oh, liable to double or triple if some I, of this stuff plays out. I think you're right, John. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I want to thank you so much for spending your time with us and sharing your thoughts. Always great to have you, folks. That is it for this week. Next week, uh, Jim Rickards will join me to talk about his new book, Sold Out, and Quentin Henning will also be with me to talk about. Well, he's going to talk about El Oral uh, Resources. It's got onto one of the largest. One of the largest new silver discoveries in the world has a lot of tin, lead, and zinc with it as well. A really great story, so I hope you'll join me next week. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.